You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 420. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash EP420. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, beautiful audience. I am thrilled to bring you another episode of the show. And what I wanted to talk about this week is a term that I think it's thrown around quite a bit in the personal development space, and we don't really dissect it or really look at the full vastness of the word, and the word is intention. So I think we oftentimes use it, like, what is your intention for the day? And sort of the implication of that question is, what are you going to focus on today? And I think there's actually a much bigger definition of intention. And I've actually been chatting about this with a friend of mine who I thought, you know what, I have got to bring you on the show. We've got to talk about this because it's a conversation that I really have not had with anybody else. And this is a perfect opportunity for me to dial up an expert. I mentioned this a bit last week, but I'm a part of a group of women that meet every couple of weeks where we can really support one another in our business. And Rodiah Rhodes is such a powerhouse and has created an entire business that is and, and company really called Evoke Life that is focused on using intention and living intentionally. And her whole methodology completely fascinates me. In fact, she wrote a book called Being is the New Doing, A Divine Guide to Owning Your Energy, Time, and Peace of Mind. And the whole concept is what would our lives look like if we shifted out of that hustle, that doing, 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 and really operated from a place of being, which is how Rodaya refers to intention. So she has created an entire intention scale to help you kind of take a temperature almost of how aligned you are with various goals in your life. So I certainly can't explain it nearly as well as she can. So I am going to give her a call here. Hopefully I can get her on the phone and it's a good time and we can chat a little bit more about this. If I do get her, I definitely want to tell you a little bit more about her so you're aware. She spent over two decades leading small businesses and Fortune 100 companies in the beauty, health, and wellness space and also in the information technology space. So she has a wealth of executive acumen. She has unbelievably impeccable design. You can see that if you go to the Evoke Life website, which we'll link in the show notes. Also a really intuitive ability to connect and lead, and that has dovetailed into what she's created with Evoke Life. So I am going to give her a call here in a second because I want all of you to think about one particular issue or goal that you might have in mind, something that you want to attain or that you're kind of working towards. And I want to ask Rodaya about using the intention scale as it relates to those things that you are working towards to give sort of a pulse check or a temperature almost of how connected are you, how present, how much are you being in alignment with that goal and see kind of where you fall on that intention scale. So we'll give you links and all of that, but I'm going to give her a call here in just a second. Also, if you are wanting to take a deeper dive, you know that things need to shift, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. I've created a masterclass there for you, completely complimentary, that you can work through at your leisure where I highlight five different shifts that you need to make in order to access that place of genuine enoughness. I mean, spoiler alert, you already are enough. You already do have all of the worthiness. 
But believing that is a completely different ball of wax. If you've been dealing with that and you know that maybe things are difficult in relationships or you're having a difficult time career-wise or just kind of feeling overall stuck and just not happy, not fulfilled, it's likely that there are some beliefs that need to shift. So if you know that you want to go into 2022 feeling so much more powerful, you want to let go of some of these people-pleasing or perfectionist tendencies that you know aren't serving you, they're not helping you, have a watch through that workshop. At the very end, you'll see an opportunity to book a member, book a call with a member of my team, and they can talk to you about my program, Deep Down and Dirty, where you can see if that might be the ass-kicking that you need. It is wildly transformative, and I've had hundreds of women go through it and just completely change their lives. So again, the first place to start if you're interested in working further with me is that workshop. And then, like I said, you can book a call at the end of that to talk to with somebody about if it's the right solution for you. So that being said, let's give Rodaya a call and see if she can clue us in a little bit more on the power of intention. Hello? Rodaya, hey, it's Amy. How are you, friend? Hey, hey, I'm good. What's happening? So, okay, I have a bit of a favor. I'm I'm over here. I'm hanging out with the audience, and we are talking about intention. And Ooh. I was thinking, you know what? There is only one person I need on the show to talk about intention, and it is Miss Rodaya <laughs> Rhodes. So, do you have a handful of minutes I can run some stuff by you? Yes, I am. You know what? I would trade a conversation on intention for sixth and ninth grade math any day. So oh, I'm it, here. Let me oh, go. are you doing homeschool stuff? <laughs> homework, homework, homework. Oh my gosh. So let's have a little recess and yes. and we'll talk about the things that you like to talk about. Yay. Thank you. Good, good, good. So I really wanted to have you on the show because I I know that you have founded Evoke. And mm -hmm. uh, Evoke Life, which is a well-being company, and I heard I've heard you talk about the concept of truth existing in sort of three different ways, and I, I found that really really fascinating because I know one of them is resonance. And mm -hmm. when I went to coaching school, God, like 15 years ago, we talked a lot about resonance versus dissonance things really mm -hmm. landing and feeling at home in your body and spirit versus feeling like, ooh, or to, more of a repelling feeling. So can you talk mm -hmm. to us about sort of the way, those three ways that truth exists according to kind of the evoke model and a little bit more about that resonance piece? It, it was something that came to us because the same way you were talking about it, we're trying to help people understand what it is so that they can kind of tune into it. and what we like to do is to distinguish the whole thing is about truth at the end of the day evoke me like it's about truth and learning to see know and trust your truth and so for us truth those three ways are in the spirit it is resonance which is exactly that seat of the soul that sense the full sensorial experience you get when you hear a thing or you read something it feels like internalization it feels like chills everybody has their own flavor of a like full physiological takeover, right? That occurs when something hits them in that resonance place. And that is how we know truth in the spirit. But then there's truth from a scientific standpoint and all of these truths we operate by. So we like to distinguish them so you get to choose. So the truth in science is evidence, mm -hmm. right? We usually, we do research and experiments and we get data and we look at the data and then that evidence tells us this is true, this is fact. And then in reality, so in the world with people and humanity, truth is agreement. Mm. So just like everybody thought the world was flat, right? Everybody agreed to that. So it was a truth. And the key of the core for us is that that truth of the spirit is what we believe drives transformation and drives the highest quality of life and well-being. And so what we want to do is help people shift from so much stock in proof of agreement especially and even 
releasing some of that, letting go of some of that attachment to the truth of science and tapping more into the truth of their spirit, because that's where all the answers lie. That is fascinating. We we had Laren on the show last week, mm -hmm. and it's reminding me a lot about, we talked a lot about intuition. And mm -hmm. it seems, I'm curious what your thoughts are, because it feels a lot like resonance is the being, right? We're going to talk about that, mm -hmm. but and all, but also intuition, right? Like I, I, I don't know. Perhaps I'm trying to categorize this stuff more, more than it needs to be. But I kind of see the science and the reality being a little bit more about the conscious faculty of the mind or the logic, the reason, versus resonance being a bit more intuition, intuitive of spirit. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. So I would say if I was to draw kind of parallel terms, you know, across, so I talked about in the spirit, then that's where that resonance lies. And that's very much like intuition. And then if I move that forward into science, where that evidence lies, we would call that where the intention shows up, it makes that invisible intuition or resonance more visible. And then if I move it to the people, to the humanity, the community, and we look at the agreement, I would say that would be impact. So we also have a model that goes from intuition to intention to impact. And so if you think of it from the inside out, right? that's that truth, right? Being realized from the inside, the innermost space of your being, the intuition, the resonance of it out through science to people through an impact. I find this so curious because I know your background is mm -hmm. rooted in engineering, more scientific data. How, what has been your personal process of tapping into such a different kind of spiritual place? As a child, I grew up with a lot of duality, right? I would say I'm a Pisces. Um, I tell a story about how I came home from the hospital. We lived, my family lived in the projects, but I came home in a limo because my my grandfather was a limo driver for a 70s singer. And just, it goes on and on to my parents. My father is very creative. That side of the family are artists, dancers, um, chefs. And then my mother's side is much more logical, much more organized and disciplined. So I really got this best of both worlds. And I lean more towards the circular, spiritual, um, creative side. Okay. But growing up, I never felt that way. I lived mostly with my mother, so I didn't really get to express that. And I actually thought for a long time that I wasn't creative enough. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was very smart. And so you have the teacher that says, you should be in this math class, in this science class. I really am very spiritual, creative, and circular. Um, however, I went through life based on other people's direction that led me through this very linear path. So then I went to engineering school, graduated from there. I went into corporate America as an engineer, an operations manager, logistics leader, all kinds of things. Then became a certified project manager. So I have years of training in engineering sciences and processes. Right. And, but my natural innate tendency is very spiritual. So what happened was I hit a brick wall in life uh, in two years, I got married, I had two children, I moved three times, I moved assignments in my job three times wow. uh, in, in 24 months and completely lost my identity. Uh, everything was turned upside down. And so I went back into reading, right, all the different texts, Eckhart Tolle, Gary Zukav, Michael Singer, uh, the Bible, everything I could, speaking a lot with my father and my uncle were both extremely um, you know, just committed to spiritual um, revelation. And it awakened that part of me or reawakened that part of me. And then I fused the two together. Yeah. And so that's how we got to really our work is a combination of, you know, this kind of metaphysics, right? The spiritual sense, um, these concepts beyond who we are in the physical world, and then some cognitive psychology and how our brains work and how our minds and how we think and process things as humans and then industrial engineering, how systems, people, process come together to create from some input, some desired output. Wow. So while you were so heavily immersed in 
in engineering were do mm-hmm. you do you look back and feel like you were disconnected, not living on purpose, really in the doing versus being? It, was there where was there this spiritual creative piece of you that was like, get me out? Yeah, I never fit really anywhere. So I went to school. I went to college in material science and engineering, and it was a challenge. You know, all the different structures and the hardcore disciplinary engineering, it just it it threw me for a loop. And then I ended up changing my major to industrial engineering. So I got hired to work out in, in Arizona at Intel, like at the Pentium 2 chip, which that's dating me for sure. <laughs> but I went to work out in Arizona. It was one of the most eye-opening periods of life. And I learned that there could be this fusion between creative processes mm-hmm. and people, like how you could integrate it. And they hired me as an industrial engineer, even though I was a materials engineer with all this semiconductor research. and. I went and was like, oh, I didn't know this existed. Went back to school, changed my major, graduated. So there was this like realization that I was out of place. And then I made a little shift that got me a little bit back in place, but not enough. So then I went into corporate and I started out as a process engineer for a beauty company for CoverGirl Cosmetics. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I'm walking this path unknowingly, but I'm here. I am in a very technical role in a very creative brand. Right. So this duality keeps following me. I struggled with the kind of the box that they wanted me to be in and the way I was supposed to operate. So we would have teams. I led teams of technicians who ran our manufacturing lines and I did it in a very creative relational way as opposed to a very structured and kind of, you know, directive way that was expected. So I, I went and, you know, ran into a lot of resistance and pushback and judgment about the way I went about things because I was on this in this path in these roles, but I had a very different approach. So I think the, the universe kept trying to tell me, you know, and then it wasn't until it all came kind of boiling all together that I was able to see, oh, you have to make a shift here. And that was the point at which I moved out of most of my technical, purely, I'll say purely technical roles. And then I moved into an innovation role okay. where we started to lead, where I was the co-leader. So I was the technical lead still, but I worked directly with the marketing and commercial lead on the portfolio of new cosmetics. So we got to look at the market trends and the beauty needs and the beauty innovation and the ideas and insights about what consumers needed and wanted and come up with products from an idea and insight to being on the shelf um, for, for new consumers. So that was exciting. That's so fascinating because I think you and I actually have a a lot in common in that way. I was a a corporate trainer for a prestige makeup brand for for MAC Cosmetics for many years. Mm -hmm. And it was really fascinating to me where the science met aesthetic met the artistry so we did Mm -hmm. massive trainings on like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and Mm -hmm. how how people purchase and how people make emotional buying decisions or what we would call style stepping and adapting Mm -hmm. to various types of human behavior so it's girl we've got a lot in common (laughs) so (laughs) totally unrelated are you into makeup and stuff like do you love all the like getting all dolled up or not at all? I I wouldn't say not at all. Like I always tell people like, you know, I don't get it twisted. So most of the time you see me, I am very much looking like I just came from a workout. Um, but don't get it twisted. I'm a run with the best <laughs> right? So <laughs> when I want to put it on, it's, it's going all the way. So I have a, I have a good time with it, but it's not something that I, I don't wear a lot of makeup. I have a lot of makeup yeah. and I love a good beat, mm-hmm. right? Like a good face beat, you know, and that, but no, I just loved, I love to your point, the, the human psychology of it, the problem solving of, you know, connecting the market situation and the competition of brands with the innovation of new products coming out with the consumer insights of what they needed and were missing and loving about the products all to come up with some concept that we could test and iterate to come and turn into a product that would be in these amazing commercials and on shelves. So now, now that you're working so in depth with evoke and have created this incredible program and system taking that into organizations Mm -hmm. i would like to talk a little bit about 
the focus on intention because it seems to be one of the biggest elements of the of the work of what what do you how do you refer to it do you refer to it as a system or a program or yeah it's so it's the inner game plan is our primary offering and it is a system okay it's a system uh, around built around intention and, and our evoke methodology around well-being and intention. Okay. Okay. So, and I love this because I quite frequently, it kind of dawned on me when I was uh, thinking about giving you a call, uh, <laughs> wink, wink, it kind of, it kind of yes. dawned on me because I was thinking about a term that I use or a phrase I say all the time, which is you are responsible for your intention not your mm -hmm. reception because so mm -hmm. frequently we are focused on how am I being received and we can't we can't calculate that we cannot make that we can't force people to receive us in a specific way but mm -hmm. when I talk about what is intention I think about it a lot as who you are being you are always responsible mm -hmm. for who you are being so mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about it, well, and, and a caveat too, with the reason why I talk about that all the time is because we talk about people pleasing and the investment in the opinions of other people speaking up for yourself. Mm. So that really is kind of the realm that, that I discuss quite frequently, but I'd really love for you to share, first of all, the science behind the intention scale, like how that was mm -hmm. formulated and then yeah. how it's used as a tool. Yeah. So in transparency, it came to us as a download. So I'll tell you the story of its cool. origin. I called my partner, Dr. Ronnie, Dr. Ronnie Ellington, and we were talking about something as we normally do. And she was talking about going to the gym and she said, you know, I think there's negative intention. So, you know, Wayne Dyer has a model of intention. There's a lot of conversation about intention out there and, and um, levels of intention. And I laughed and she started going in on it. Like I, you know, it's not like, I'm, I'm just kind of neutral. I don't want to go. Yeah. I don't want to go to the gym. And we said, we laughed and we kept talking. And I was like, you know, I think you're right. And then all of a sudden, literally these words started coming to me. And I was, remember at one point we kept talking about it and I was driving, I was driving past Raven stadium. I'm in Maryland and I had a little receipt and I was writing on the receipt at, in the kind of console of the car. And it was like, oh, and then there's you're surrendering and then you're sovereign right at the highest level of the scale. So we developed that whole idea of there's negative intention mm -hmm. to span out to say there's all these levels of intention. And so, like you said, um, you're you're responsible for your intention. I would say you're responsible for it all. Mm -hmm. OK, right. You are you are responsible for it all. And all of it is a match for your intention. You just don't see all of your intention. We often think our intention is a thought. It's captured and encapsulated in just the thought we have about something. But it actually is who we are. Like you said, the who we are being is beyond our thoughts. Right. Who we are being. So we talked about that spiritual sense. We talked about the reality. Who we are being is inside of our beliefs and thoughts, which were, you know are, are more like the thought world. But it's also the energy, the energetic the experience we are actually having inside of our bodies, the physiology, the feelings, and then the emotions. So our whole being is, is emitting some sort of intention. It's experiencing and it's emitting some sense of intention, which is the total energy, the intensity of it that we are embodying and experiencing as it relates to a particular goal. So it's also relative. That's interesting that you bring that up because I'm recalling this very rudimentary <laughs> diagram that I had used in some of my coaching early on and I called it mm -hmm. how are you vibing and it was about a description of your frequency so it was this little mm -hmm. stick figure and uh and then it was sort of this aura around it that you had ways in which you could identify and describe what would you say this person is emitting you know, mm -hmm. on thought level, on spiritual level, on emotional level, on physical plane. And I find that sometimes people have an easier time doing that if they're almost voyeuristic and they're almost viewing, viewing themselves from a, as if they were seeing themselves on a stage or a video or a television screen, or in this case on a paper where they can kind of go, 
here's what, here's what my intention is, because I do think there's ways in which, and I'm curious if you have this issue at all, where mm-hmm. we get stuck with terminology and nomenclature of personal development jargon, where we go, okay, mm-hmm. well, intention has always been, what's my intention for today? My intention for today is, is quite simply just your focus. What is your focus for today? Yeah. Which what I'm hearing from you is a much more evolved, expanded viewpoint of what intention is. So how do you describe it? What I say, it's re- it's always relative to a particular goal. So my intention in any moment is relative to what my aim is. So whether that's parenting or whether that's, you know, building my business or whether that's in my connection, connecting with you, there's some aim objective I have, which is how people usually use intention to your point, right? Like my focus is to be connected with Amy. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, you know, or they say my intention is, and I would say, no, that's your focus. That's your goal. That's your desire. Your intention is who you actually show up as in the conversation and in the experience and interaction. So it's the total, the sum total energy, the experience and the energetic, meaning the internal experience you have energetically and then the energy you're emitting out. We speak to it that way so that it becomes real for you as opposed to an intellectual assessment or diagnosis of of self. So I'll give you the levels from from bottom to top. So typically what we ask people to do is presence some goal or aim they have. And then we say, okay, I'm going to ask you some questions or they can ask themselves. We have a card. They just use the card, pull it out wherever. And we say, okay, would you say relative to this goal, you are suffering? Do you feel as though you're enduring great pain? And maybe even there's some illness. There's a lot of emotion. There's a sense of blame and complaint and victimization that is happening that you're experiencing. Maybe there's something you're resenting or even sabotaging. Or would you say that you are struggling? that there's a sense of a tension that's happening or a fight, that something just feels locked and you're exerting a lot of effort and energy and you keep repeating the same cycle, like you can't break out of it. And maybe there's something there that you are resisting seeing or suppressing. And so then we move up the scale to sacrificing, settling, striving, seeking, surrendering, and sovereignty. So when I spoke just now about the uh, suffering and sacrificing or suffering and struggling, I gave both the experience and the energetic. So for example, the experience is suffering. It's the experience of great pain and enduring and indulging deep emotion. And the energetic you're usually admitting is resent, resenting or sabotaging. So it's the internal experience and the external expression of it. And you move up the scale and people, depending on where they are and what they're actually holding as the aim or the goal will resonate on one or both sides of that to really key in and very quickly on, I I know this is where I am. I'm absolutely sacrificing. Before we go too much further, I wanted to take a quick moment to give a shout out to our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Shocker, I'm a huge fan of therapy. I have a personal motto that if you think you don't need therapy, you probably need therapy. Because without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is genuinely hard. The good news is therapy actually really does work. But what is it exactly? Well, it can truly be whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling super motivated right now. Hello, who among us, right? And maybe you want some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in your relationships or in your workplace, or maybe you're just not dealing with stress very well. Whatever it is that you need, it is time to stop being so ashamed of normal human struggles. It's time that you feel better because you deserve to be genuinely happy. And now you don't really have to worry about finding an in-person therapist that's near you or in your town because BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to even see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people, y'all, it's been over 2 million people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. As I mentioned, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and the Joy Junkie Show podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash thejoyjunkie. That is betterhelp.com slash thejunkie. Joy junkie. Now let's jump back into the show. 
when I see clients who come to work with me or a student who comes to work with me, it's quite frequently that there's one major area where shit hurts. Like it hurts here. And it's usually mm -hmm. some major goal where there's some suffering, there's some sacrificing leading then yep. to the, the sabotage. And mm -hmm. so I wonder if with this scale, I've heard you describe it almost as like a thermometer or sort of like a temperature check of where am I mm -hmm. in alignment with this specific goal or desire. Yep. So my my assumption would then be that we could we could be sizing up or taking the temperature of multiple different things in our life at at mm -hmm. a time, not just where it majorly hurts. Do does that make sense? If if makes sense. If you're doing intention, yes, right? So if you're trying to do it, meaning like I want to see all the time and we have people who when they first hear it, they're like, "Oh my gosh, am I going to how is this going to work? Am I going to be just every 5 seconds figuring out, "Oh, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here." But the key is and we the inner game plan program the that we move people through in a 90 day is for them to practice and test it in one area as it relates to one goal. I see. And really this idea is consciousness and presence which is a very natural human ability right we are multi-sensory we are highly intelligent but we try to do intelligence as opposed to be intelligent and when we shift from the doing into the being we are way more perceptive and uh and intelligent than than we might think in just our brain so once you practice it it's like shifting to a new operating system mm -hmm. Right. Instead of operating from the doing, I got to think it and I'm in my headspace all the time trying to figure stuff out and shifting into this being of who I naturally am as a human being with access to a greater field of energy and intelligence naturally and intuitively, then you can easily channel that into whatever the one step is forward. It be, it's a it's a I wish I could think of the word, but it's like a, a synergy. It's an integration. Okay. Right. It's integrating. And then those things. So every quarter and for me, it's been since 2009, I've gone through this process and it's, you know, it's a way to set a, a particular type of goal, envision it, identify who you'd have to become to create that goal, identify those tendencies you have that are not aligned, which we call your default, assign the intention level, the target intention level that you want to resonate versus the default intention level where your habitual patterns lie. And then move through this process up to where we call take oh shit action instead of bullshit mm -hmm. action. And when you um, play the game, right, it's in a game, that's why it's called the inner game plan. You play this game for 90 days, you start to practice. The second phase of it is practicing, taking certain actions, seeing where, who you were being and where you were coming from when you took that action, looking at the results you get. And you start to learn intention as a working way of being, not something that you're trying to do. But there are practical moments, right, where you're going to look and go and check in with yourself. You'll pick up the intention scale, you know, take a look at it and just sit with yourself and see where you are. But it becomes very intuitive. The other thing is we chose language that people use anyway. Okay. Right. So people always claim like, oh, I'm on a struggle yes. bus. Oh, I'm struggling. Or yeah. right. Like that language is what people use. So sometimes it's not even this thing that you have to do. Again, it's just you can hear yourself when you start to hear yourself and you start to feel yourself. And now you have language to name it. That is very intuitive to you. You know, well, it, the reason why I asked you that question is I think about where I'm at in certain areas of my life, like with my relationship with my partner or my best friend and those the the place that I feel like I am being there I would rank that differently on the scale than I would where I'm at in my business like it feels mm -hmm. very different so but I also understand and I do this with beliefs where I'm like let's focus on one belief that we're shifting <laughs> let's let's uh -huh. not layer it on top of all of the things quite yet uh, mm -hmm. but it seems like there could be some vacillation between the various categories of our life. But I have also heard you talk about, and, and I don't, I, I, in all transparency, I don't know if I fully uh, align with this quote of how you do one mm -hmm. thing, you do everything. I don't know, because I do mm -hmm. feel like, again, to being multifaceted, I feel like I'm very different in different areas of my life and how I, and mm -hmm. what I intend. 
now I'm talking to myself in circles because I'm also thinking, yeah, but <laughs> but your heart is kind of always in the same place and you're <laughs> mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yeah. Any thoughts on that mess? <laughs> yeah, I would say you are a whole being. So the idea of even areas of your life that are um, that you approach in different ways, right? Or you come from a different place. One is when we think that, okay, we're being different here, here, and here, a lot of times it's because we are fragmenting ourselves and we're, or, and, or the opposite to some degree is we are defining ourselves as one particular way. Human beings are expansive. We can in any moment show up as anything, any way we desire, any way we choose. We just have a kind of rotation of ways that are, you know, we're very practiced at, that we tend to default into. So one thing in terms of that is, I do believe what you do anywhere, you do everywhere. And it's because you're one person, you're a whole person. And there's probably some set point way of being that you have that expresses itself in many different ways. So in most cases, there's a lot of, there's sacrificing. I might be showing up sacrificing, but it may be more illuminated or intense or painful in one area than it may be in another. But there's likely a set point around sacrificing that I want to elevate. We're choosing one area in our process just to get you to focus, move, and learn. And then you choose a new area or choose the same area again, focus, move, and learn. And then um, ultimately, you intuitively integrate just this knowing that you are a whole person operating at a certain set point at that moment, you know, that point in time about your life. And it's just showing itself up in different ways across the board. So it's more like the manifestation of it looks different. And we kind of want to label that and categorize that. Like that's us, like it makes us a different person, but it doesn't necessarily. I see. So, and you know, the other thing is, yeah, there are going to be moment to moment, right? So not only are we expansive and we have this ability to show up in any different way, but every moment's different. So today I'm going to show up this way as it relates to my parenting, but there's certainly moments where I show up you know, some moments I'm sacrificing, some moments I'm very sovereign, other moments I'm suffering around my parenting. It's a moment to moment thing, but there is some constancy that you can experience, right? Like it's kind of like this infinite being that you are, I'm here, I'm always here. And there's some constancy to that, but then there's only the moment of now in which that's showing up. And so things will change moment to moment. You will and can choose who you're gonna be in any moment. But in that constancy, I can choose where I want to come from. I get to say, I would like to be sovereign in my life as as a declaration. And then I get to live into that moment to moment and do the best I can and show up wherever I am on the scale. And then notice that, embrace that, transform that and do it again. I'm thinking of it almost like a parallel of because I love to like size it up into like an analogy or a metaphor. So, and I'm, I'm thinking of it being almost like you don't change it, like the core of who you are, your essence, but you can put on kind of all of these different outfits depending on what feels appropriate. Sometimes you want to be in that bikini and then sometimes you want to be in the ball gown. And then sometimes you, you know, mm-hmm. I'm choosing the sweats. I, I'll be honest. I choose sweats most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. But that's sort of how I'm seeing it as like, yeah, but the intention of who you are really isn't changing that much without your intention <laughs> of, uh, of shifting it. Yes, exactly. So I think of there's who you are and who you're being. And the intention level is a measure of who you're being. And then I say who you are is star stuff, right? Like unlimited, limitless energy. Okay. Uh, intelligence, right? So defining, I define myself inside of this expansive definition that says I am connected, unlimited energy and intelligence that gets to show up in any moment, any way I choose. And that is what my intention becomes, the way of being I choose to show up as and where I come from. But who I am is always that that unlimited power and energy and intelligence. Most people define themselves like I'm a Pisces. And um, so there's all these labels that we um, subscribe to, to make us this small definitive human being that's trying to be authentic to that all the time with 
very with a lot of limitation. What I'm saying is let's define ourselves as this expansive, unlimited intelligence, energy, and power that gets to choose in the moment exactly who we want to be and how we want to show up as it relates to what we're committed to in that space, in that time, what we want to create. So who I am is unlimited potential and power. Who I choose to be is based on what I want to create. It's because I want to create something and that is my intention. And that is what we measure with the intention scale, who I'm being in the moment as it relates to what it is I say I want to create. So as it relates to the default behaviors, mm -hmm. and I think I've heard you talk about this too, where people get real attached to those default behaviors. And, and I, I am one of those who calls them sort of the manifestations of your disempowering beliefs, but also mm -hmm. fucking coping mechanisms that a lot, 100%. a lot of times they are things that you have adopted or behaviors that you have adopted because they quite literally kept you safe at different times in your life. Absolutely. And that's a very difficult thing to reckon with when you get to that point where you go, holy shit, extreme control, extreme perfectionism, extreme people pleasing, those things aren't working anymore. But mm -hmm. neurologically, the brain goes, but they're familiar. I fucking know them. Yep. And they save me and keep me safe. Right. So do you do you see a lot of people having a hard time letting go of those things? Absolutely. And that's why the 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 way we work through the system is over 90 days and then repeated every quarter because it's a practice to create new ways of being new behaviors, new thought patterns, new beliefs that you reinforce that have some sense of power in them. Right. Relative to the ones you've been practicing on autopilot for 20, 30, 40, however, you know, many years, however old you are. So those those beliefs are conditioned and they're hard. They've gotten people a lot of success. You know, our clients are highly successful. And so these are behaviors and beliefs and ways of being that have accomplished extraordinary things in their lives, right? And it's kept them safe, like you said. So they don't, I have people, they fight yep. me. You know, they will fight me and I say, why are you fighting me for this? Like, you, you know, and we just reestablish. Okay, great. Because there's nothing wrong with the default. It's not bad right. and it's not wrong. It really is just the persona and identity, the ego, whatever we want to call it, that you have created, right, to move, keep living, mm -hmm. to keep living, survive. But it's just not, like you said, it's not working right. and it's not going to get you, it's not going to create for you this new thing that's outside of its comfort zone and its intention level. So um, we just reestablish the goal. Like, you know, what are we here for? Are we committed? Are we committed to this goal or not? Or we do want to, do we want to create a new goal? Right. And then people usually will kind of let it go a little bit and it, then it comes back up again. But I love it's, I think it's Gary Zukov who defines authentic power as bringing the personality into the service of the soul. And that's how we speak to the default and what we call the design or the design who. The design is who you declare you want to be, the beliefs, the thoughts, the emotions, the actions, the feelings that you want to embody and that you're going to practice embodying through the game as it relates to the goal you set as part of the process. And so we, when that default comes up, we really look at how can we bring it into the service of the soul? How, how it's coming up for a reason. What is it that is trying to tell us? Mm -hmm. What is it saying that actually might serve the goal we're up to? What we're going to shift is we're not going to try to get rid of it and fix it and change right. it. What we're going to do is we're going to acknowledge it and then and we're not going to subscribe to it either. Like it's the truth and it's us. We're just going to acknowledge it and integrate whatever whatever element of it is relevant and powerful as as it relates to our goal. This is curious for me because I was just talking about this was with a student. And I was talking about how some of these defaults actually do have relevance in certain situations, right? And mm -hmm. so the example that I used with her is I was saying, let's say that you are, we were talking specifically about the behavior of, of people pleasing. And I was saying, let's say that you are somebody who identifies as queer, as being part of the queer community, and you find that you're involved in a situation where there are a bunch of people who are clearly not on board with that community, and they're saying mm -hmm. certain things that uh, that could 
and be interpreted as a threat to your physical safety and probably Mm -hmm. emotional safety as well. So in those situations, people pleasing might be the best fucking tool that you have available to Mm live. And so I always tell people, that's not the time. I'm not talking about speak up for yourself right then. I'm not talking (laughs) about, you know, boundary setting right then. I'm talking about you need to take care of yourself. And people pleasing Mm -hmm. is an iteration of our fear response. It's it's the fawn trauma response. So it's Mm -hmm. a way that we can kind of stay safe in those situations. So I love that we're bringing this up and not looking at something from the lens of those are always bad or Mm -hmm. not able to be integrated into the process that you attaining the goal, right? But it's that selection and that consciousness of like, okay, what piece of this, what tool do I need to pull into this experience, into this tool belt that's actually in service of me? Yeah, I mean, the thing that we're actually, you know, teaching and training people and facilitating people along the way of is, for us, the ultimate goal is to be present and conscious and well in who you're being in your life in every moment. And so the goal, even when we set the goal in the process, we are talking about that as just a tool to call you forward into being so that you can then work with the ways of being and who you're being. So even the goals, it's not about the goals. It's not about you getting another thing. You know how to get things. We know how to get things. We know how to create things and accomplish things. This is about a process that while you're achieving, accomplishing, creating, you are also evolving and transforming into a present, conscious, powerful being in any moment that knows how to stay present and choose what way they're going to show up because they know who they are as that expansive, unlimited, infinite being. They know what they're up to in terms of what commitments and goals and vision has been instilled in them. And they know what game they're playing. They're aware of themselves and the space and the environment around them. So they can be as powerful as possible. And what we say, power is being the ability to create with velocity. Mm. So that in a moment you can, whether we call it manifest or you can bring something into reality or realize something with some speed, with that ease Mm. um, and no friction, you know, that is available to us. This is fascinating to me. I, I really love how your brain works, Radaya. <laughs> I, I really love hearing your explanation and, and the ways that this has been created. And I know you have also written a book on this subject of the being is the new doing. And mm-hmm. It's funny. It reminds me because I always say selfish is the new black because I feel like <laughs> we need to not be so bitter about selfishness. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. it's some, mm-hmm. it's all semantics, really. But I'm curious, what are some of the things that you see with the people that you work with where mm-hmm. they get really stuck in the doing as opposed to the being? Yeah, well, you know, it's like I talked about how I was trained in all of these linear you know, discipline structures. So we're working with people who are highly accomplished and and very ambitious and very mission driven, you know, make a difference and have an impact and leave a legacy. And that feels like there's always a lot to do. And they also have very full lives. So we are used to and expect, I mean, our mission is to shift that literally. So we seek out and we connect with people who are used to doing the most. Mm-hmm period. They right? They just they just do the most. They overthink everything. They overanalyze. They you know, there's just all of this activity all of the time. Our work is to shift that and give them an alternative that still shows them how they create results and that they can create results in, in, in a way that has more ease to it, more power and is actually more true to who they are because a lot of what they're doing is not even for them and not even in alignment with their own truth. They don't even know and haven't seen their truth. They are doing what they believe they should do, what they believe they have to do, you know, what they got to do or obligated to do, what they believe is required. You know, the all of the beliefs, uh, sacrifice, success requires sacrifice and hard work. Right. There's so many ingrained beliefs. There are historical, uh, collective, racial, right, gender. There's all these different belief systems that lock us into the way we operate. So this is is really a detaching 
from that operating system and that belief structure and a creating of your own. But that, you know, the asking someone to give up what's been their lifeline. Sure. Is, is not an easy thing. So we do it in a very engineered process. This is where, you know, our science comes in. We understand how people think. We understand the truth of the universe. We understand and we listen for a person's truth as they speak mm -hmm. it and how it resonates. And we guide and facilitate them through a very intelligently engineered process to actually step out of that, transform it, and move into a new type of operating that gets them even greater results than they got the old way. I you have to show a person that they can have what they have, right? And have more, live life and life more abundantly through a new way before they're willing to take it on. Uh, it's uh, unbelievable how, how, and we actually know this scientifically, how much pain people will sustain before they actually make a change. Woo. And how <laughs> attached they are to the suffering. And again, I think it's part of comfort that it's like, I know suffering. Right. Like, I, I know this. Yep. And therefore, it's familiar. And even, you know, the brain is like, this is safer with what you know. So uh, I love, love mm -hmm. the work that you are up to. And it's interesting that you call it, you talk about an operating system, because that's how I talk about the work that I do as well. I will often say, you know, it's not that, it, you know, as you grow and develop as a human, that you are now void of hardship or you no longer have to experience fear, but it's rather instead of everything happening to you, you're very conscious and very deliberate and intentional about seeing what is at play here instead of like, instead of feeling like a victim to stuff, you can go, mm -hmm. oh shit, I'm in the suffering, I'm in the sacrificing, I'm in the this. And it, and I really feel like so much of it is the awareness. Awareness is the win. Like the more you can kind mm -hmm. of, oh, I see what's happening and then work with the tools that you know and that you've learned to help you shift out of that. And I think that's the power, right? Like that's the power. Yeah, you have to. You have to become aware of it, right? Without awareness, you're going to keep doing the same thing. But even in the awareness, I had somebody say to me, and it was so gut, gut punch, it was a gut punch. And it was like, just because you can articulate your, your, your barrier doesn't mean you're owning it. Right. Right. And so and we again, we work with a lot of highly intelligent people, so they are very articulate. They they are very aware and articulate about their issue, their block. Mm -hmm. Right. And now we have all this language for it when it comes to the personal development and we've got all this language for it. But that's not necessarily having you to make a choice. Yes. Right. And then actually, because we don't have a place to go, even when we become aware of our default or those barriers, we don't have a design to move into. So we just go back to the default. Right. It's like, oh, I'm aware, but I don't know what else to do. I don't have any other option. So I just go back into to default. So yes, for us, it's really, and, and we actually redesigned our process from the very beginning where we found that people were so stuck in that default. And then when they when they became aware of the default and they named it and all this stuff, they became enamored with it. We would like, we were saying, no, there's more. That's just step three in the process. There's, we're, we're not talking about the default. That's not the goal. <laughs> but that was enough. That was where people were just like, oh my gosh, oh, I feel so much better now. And it's like, no, that's not the point. The point is actually to become new yeah. and create an experience of life that is worthy of who you are. I do find that there are, is a tremendous amount of relief when we can create vocabulary around things, you know, it, it, to, mm -hmm. from a hypnotherapist standpoint, when I'm hearing you talking about knowing things consciously, I'm like, oh, that's cognitive dissonance. That's when the conscious faculty knows something and the mm -hmm. subconscious is in, a, is in the driver's seat. And how can yep. we create continuity between those two pieces of the mind? And mm -hmm. the lovely critical factor that's right in the middle, fucking everything up. So, uh, I really love hearing about that because I do think that's critical in not getting attached to the labeling and the diagnosis of, oh, I'm a people pleaser. Um, and I see people do it all the time with Enneagram. Oh, I'm yes. a nine or I'm a four or I'm a Pisces. I'm a this. And I'm like, and yep. girl, you're stardust, girl. <laughs> you are all these other things. <laughs> right. We don't. It's wild. Yeah. 
and the imposter syndrome that's it's like and syndrome is such a heavy word I, yes so not only are we choosing these labels but we are speaking heavy words a syndrome right has a permanence to it it's like no right in the moment as it relates to this particular thing you were sacrificing and so you gave your power over you forfeited what you really wanted for somebody else's somebody else's desire in the moment that's right just in the moment and so and you have the choice to you have another choice in the next moment and you can do something different and that's, that's right. what we want people it's freedom that's freedom that is freedom that's right not not being diagnosed and, and again with all respect and value in science and diagnoses and the important information that that provides um, but not subscribing to it at the level of of identity right and like identity with no way out and and a lack of mobility that's the other thing too mm -hmm. is it becomes really really stagnant when you start to identify mm -hmm. in that way and i think that there's some there are some ways that it provides immense relief, you know, when it's like, oh, I have an anxiety disorder. Oh, that's so fucking good to know of why I've been. Oh, I have this. Um, but there's this great quote and I, I cannot recall who it's by, but we use it. Or I use it in my materials where it says I am are the most powerful words because what comes after that defines your future. It defines your reality. And so mm -hmm. oftentimes I'll yes. say people check, check what you say after mm -hmm. I am, or I'm so, or I'm such a, though you're creating a permanence with that label. So mm -hmm. watch yourself, but yeah, you hear yourself, right? You hear yourself when you say those things out loud or inside. That's right. That's right. So I feel like we could talk all damn day and uh, mm -hmm. I do want to be respectful of your time. So is there a place where people can see the intention scale or get to know you a little bit? Where should people, where can we send them? Yeah, I'm on social media. We're at Evoke Life, E-V-O-K-L-I-F-E. -E. I'm Radia Rhodes on Instagram um, and Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. And then our website is evokelife.com. So we're all over putting out good stuff all the time. We're about to actually um, launch a quiz. Perfect. Um, that helps people kind of pinpoint where they are on the scale and get a bunch of, you know, guidance around how they can shift that and what that means. And I believe you have it outlined on the, on your website too, where people could kind of see the various levels. Okay. Yep. Yep. You can see the levels on there and you can even, there's a free download of my book um, that, the first couple chapters of it that kind of speak a little bit about what it is into it. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely make sure we put it in the show notes. I am so glad that you had a few moments and that I caught you. Yes. And uh, <laughs> just so incredibly grateful for you to share your wisdom here. And I would definitely love to continue our conversation at another time too. Um, yeah, but I'm excited. Thank you for inviting me. This has been a great, great conversation, great questions, a lot of thought provoking you know, comments. So thank you for having Priv me. Evoking. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> yes. play on words. Yes. Um, but I'll let you go so you can do more fun homework with the kids. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Thank you for the break, though. Thank you You're for the break. You're so welcome. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Bye. I'm hoping that that was really helpful for you. It definitely opened up my eyes to some of the ways that I can shift who I am being instead of constantly thinking about the future and hustle and checking off boxes, which can be easy to do. It can be so easy to get stuck in the doing, especially because it's kind of glorified in our society. We are always talking about hustling and we wear busyness kind of as a badge of honor instead of illuminating who we are and just being present and in alignment with the things that we are doing, that we're really being intentional. <laughs> so hoping that's helpful for you. Be sure to check out all of Radia's links in the show notes here today. And next week, I am going to be talking about how to manage some of this fucking holiday stress. How do I recover from this? How are the way, what are the ways that I can get connected to what really matters, take care of myself. It tends to be highly triggering for many people, depending on your relationship with family or even with 
religion or holidays in general. So stay tuned. That's what I will have on the show for you in your feed next week. And until then, please have an amazing week. I would love any or all (laughs) reviews that you are willing to leave, specifically on Apple Podcasts. That tends to be the biggest platform. And the more positive reviews that I get, the more that I have visibility to a broader audience. It would mean the world to me if you took just a moment to do that. And links to know how to do that are also in the show notes if you need a little bit of direction there. Sometimes you have to jump through a few hoops. So that would be much appreciated. I will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life.